Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Beats, Brews, and Points of View podcast. I'm your host, Neil Richter, along with my partner in podcasting sitting next to me, E-Man Bates. The PIP, that is me, and we are going from a, or going from Plymouth City for episode, I'm pulling it up right now, I'm going to be honest with you, 132. There we go. I couldn't remember either, right? When you started reading that, I was like, oh boy, I hope E-Man remembers, because I sure don't. Yeah, episode 132, episode 132, but yeah, we are live uh, back from uh the one of the cribs in plymouth for a new episode of the bbpov podcast yeah and uh that song that i started the podcast out with is a song called misty blue by ashley sorrell detroit's own one of our favorites who you've heard on this podcast a few different times and she released that song in perfect timing because she has this um kind of like a blend between hip-hop and r&b thing going on um, where she's got that, like you heard in it, she can kind of sing like Erica Padu with that neo-soul kind of vibe, but then she also has elements of hip-hop and um, kind of takes from like the Slum Village, D- uh, Jay Dilla kind of uh, vibe to the production a lot of the times and stuff like that too. So um, yeah, that's what that was for you there. And we have an episode kind of similar topically. Um, this one is kind of something that E-Man brought up, um, and I'll kick it over him to kind of describe what it is before I give you guys a, a little bit of an intro here. So E-Man, what was the topic that you wanted to talk about this evening? So when you think about R&B, right, rhythm and blues, I mean, what, com- what comes to mind to you personally, Neil? For me personally, the Motown era, personally. I was going to say the same <laughs> thing. I mean, that's what I grew up on. Like when I think of R&B, I also think of like... You know, like the like the lovey-dovey, like romance, like courting somebody, things like that. However, there is a different side of R&B that's been getting popular. I mean, it's always been around, and we're going to go into, like, a little bit of history with that today as well. But, like, the toxic R&B things that are going on. What actually made me kind of bring this up was uh, it's just, like, I, I've been listening recently today, and I feel like just in 2023, R&B has kind of taken a turn to where – Toxic R&B is almost the standard now these days. I mean, there's still stuff out there. There's like your, your what's the new guy, like Pink Sweats mm-hmm. and stuff like that out there. They're still making like, you know, like the romantic R&B. But there's like, you know, if we live in like a fuck him, fuck her, I'm going to get mine, you know, like generation these days where it's, you know, it. I feel like it's kind of affecting perception of like real relationships sometimes for sure for my like for me it's like it's a double-edged sword because i think about it in that terms but at the same time i feel like toxic listening to toxic r&b is almost like thinking about like an episode of jerry springer or like a car crash like yeah it's bad but you can't look away either because i mean there's some good songs oh absolutely yeah, I mean, they say like heartbreak, and they say all this. Sh- it makes great music. Exactly, it really does. It really so does. There's a there's a double side to that as well, and yeah, I kind of wanted to bring this topic up to light because I wanted to get more like opinion on it. So, you know, you guys in the comments and you know people uh, listening at home or you know like things like that. Like we, c- you know, y'all can chime in and things like that. Whatever your top, you know, whatever your opinion is. I mean, we'll bring it up next episode and definitely. Yeah. And before we deep dive into this, as we do on this podcast, as we get around to these brews, and for me personally these days, brews have been a a little bit of a different thing because I'm trying to test it out. I've I've alluded to it a little bit on the podcast that I haven't really been drinking 
And, you know, it's been now 10 weeks since I've had any alcohol, right? 10 weeks today, actually, which is kind of crazy. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to see how long I can go. I like uh, a challenge, and I've gone my entire adult life with drinking alcohol. So I'm going to see how long I can go without drinking alcohol. So instead of alcohol today, we've got a cannabis-infused iced tea, and I'll let E-Man tell you about it because he brought it to us. So we're going to, you know, switch vices here. I'm, so <laughs> I want to clear this up right now. Um, yeah, I'm absolutely proud of my PIP here yeah, for doing bro. that. Thanks, bro. Yeah, man, I know that's been a thing like he's been trying to do for a while, and I'm 100% supportive on this journey. However, me personally, I still like beer, so I'm going <laughs> to drink beer on this podcast. However, I think what we want to do going forward, because the cannabis industry right now is absolutely at a peak for things like cannabis-infused drinks. I mean, there's a lot of different options out there these days. We are going to start including those into the show as well for meal sake, actually, yep. too, So, because I feel like I know he's more comfortable with that. And yeah, that's what we're going to do. And yeah, so. and there's also, you know, there's like a million different brew houses that make coffee in Detroit. Coffee there's non-alcoholic well. yeah, beers that are popping up everywhere. So we'll definitely have some different things to try and talk about. So I think it'll still be great. And, you know, you guys will still get um, great episodes and a better version of me, honestly. Yeah, honestly, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Like, uh, I really enjoy... Yeah, I really enjoy coffee as well, man. I feel like this is going to be... I've already had this before. Oh, actually, have I had this flavor yet? Liquid Death, if you're listening, we, we sponsor us, bro. I love <laughs> your shit right now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so over from Pleasantries, they actually collabed with Blake's Hard Cider for these guys. Which Pleasantries is a dispensary out in Hamtramck by us. No, it's a it's a whole corporation. So there's different different flavors. Oh, is there different? I there's thought that was the start of East it. Lansing has oh, shit, one. I didn't know that. Mount Clemens has the Gibraltar Trace Center now. There's a Lincoln Park has one. There's a bunch of different flavors. Is Hamtramck the OG or is East Lansing? Uh, what is? No, it's not. I don't think Hamtramck's the OG. In fact, Pleasantries started. I, that's a good question. I'm gonna look that up. I'll get back to you. Yeah, for that. sure. Sorry. I don't, yeah. I don't didn't mean think to throw that's you the OG one, but yeah, I know the big. I know their facility is gonna be in Mount Clemens because they bought the Gibraltar Trade Center. Yeah. But yeah, they got like five or six different ones out there. Anyway, uh, right. yeah. So Pleasantries combined with Blake's Hard Cider to do the Pleasanties. They also have these drinks out called uh, the Ciders as well. Uh, highly casual. They came out. Mm -hmm. We'll probably bring down a podcast at some point as well too. But yeah, uh, they have three flavors out right now for the pleasanties. They have peach, lemon, and raspberry. I got the peach one in my hand right now. I believe Neil has lemon. I have. Where is the? It's a big ass thing that says lemon right there. Where? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have the lemon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm excited to try it. It is 10 milligram THC uh, tea. I'm. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. This is a pint size, so I got the 16 ounces going there. Uh, looks like ooh, 0.43 milligrams of CBG, which is cool. If you guys are familiar with CBG, it is the first cannabinoid prominent in, or that's prominent in the plant. So it's really good for anti-inflammatory stuff, so like joint pain and digestive stuff. Yeah, man, I'm really excited to try this one. Yeah, I just tried the lemon I one. Do. This tastes really good. One of my biggest gripes with any cannabis-infused drink thing, though, and I get why they do it, mind <laughs> you, is these, like, child-proof, like, <laughs> things that go there. Because I'm like, every time I open it, I always get some kind of backsplash, no <laughs> yeah. matter what. I actually popped mine pretty good this time. Last time I struggled with it, but this one was a pretty good one. Yeah, they and got, this... like, a whole, like, security tape on it and everything like that. They did a really good job with the flavor of this lemon one. It really actually tastes like some really good lemon-brewed uh, iced tea. You can't. It doesn't really have um too much of an earthy like weed taste to it like a lot of the you know edible products usually do sometimes but yeah this is pretty good yeah one thing i like about it man i mean with uh i mean with you know if blake's is behind it you know you're gonna get a good product which i don't know if they're listed anywhere on this can but i do know that they actually did yeah 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 okay they're right here um yeah dude it's solid yeah i like it and uh, I guess we'll see how it makes you feel throughout the course of this episode. A hot uh, 10 milligrams. The peach is cool, man. I mean, it's very got that very, like, very peach fuzzy taste to it. I can't, <laughs> really, I can't really describe peach. Well, how's, the, how's the lemon? The lemon's good. It actually it tastes like just like some brewed tea that you would make at home. I got to uh, be honest. It's, I feel like it's just almost impossible to fuck up anything lemon. It really is. I mean, like that's any a good point. lemon drink. I feel like it was just hard to fuck up. That is a good point. Yeah, yeah that, that is true for sure. But anyways, before we get into this lengthy discussion, 
Um, and bear with me here because I wanted to give you a little brief history to make this episode a little bit more valuable. And, you know, we had talked about making it more educational. So that's kind of what I did here with what I wrote. So um, I wrote that it, I think that it would be important to teach a little brief history on R&B music to make for a better understanding here. So R&B stands for rhythm and blues, but it's deeper than that. That was the term that replaced race music in the 1940s as a generalized term for black music, but most specifically secular music. The term first appeared in commercial recordings in 1948 by RCA Records to describe black secular music on their label. This was also an interesting time in music because of black folks migrating to the Northeast and Midwest to seek out a better life. Well, with the Great Migration, there began to be a blend of music from different churches creating more markets of music. This ushered in boogie-woogie, swing, jazz, and blues, all under the umbrella of R&B. Boogie-woogie. <laughs> Historically speaking, though, rhythm and blues, as we understand it today, most often describes a style of music that developed after World War II that combines elements of pop, gospel, blues, and jazz with a strong backbeat. The style would emerge in years following, would largely be played by small groups that made a focal point the rhythmic drive more than the complex, big-sounding instrumental drives that swing and orchestral music had. The vocalist focused more on the emotional delivery in a direct way. This had a direct impact on music being made in the inner city, because now you had teenage vocal groups, later coined doo-wop, popping up that had little to no instruments backing them up, but rather different tones of voices lending as rhythm sections. The singing style, a lot of the time, leaned gospel as a lot of these kids came from church backgrounds. The emergence of style would later birth rock and roll, but that's for a different episode. The music started to blow up um, post-war and in segregation. The social political landscape also shifted the narrative from just love songs to giving lyrical ammo to the youth and what they were writing and singing about. The labels also started seeing the success and having their white artists record black artists' music as a way to make it more palatable to white youth, i.e. Elvis Presley. We could do a whole other episode on how that model would affect popular music all the way up into the hip-hop we hear today, but that's not what this one is about. This, in turn, brought black and white youth together, in a sense, out of love for the music and desire for change because both black and white youth began blending together at live shows, and so those that pushed for segregation hated it and started calling it dangerous music to the youth. But this only made the youth rebel more, and it became more popular. So popular that it played a big part in the economy in our own backyard here in Detroit as Motown Records opened its doors in 1959 by Mr. Barry, Barry Gordy. This quickly became one of the most successful black-owned businesses in the country and the most popular and influential independent record label in the country. But before I go off, let me pause. I could easily spend another two hours talking about Motown Records, but I repeat myself, that is not what this episode is about. Um, but in that art form of R&B was born another one in the late 60s called Soul Music. Soul music leaned more heavily on gospel vocal styling with secular lyrics, impressive runs, and strong vocalists. While writing pretty love songs was always a driving factor behind R&B, the late 60s and early 70s would inspire a lot more protest and so so social political lyrics with the start of the Vietnam War and ending of the Jim Crow laws in the South. So R&B would go on developing new sounds like this throughout the 70s and the 80s, funk, rock, disco and so on there was an emerging use there was emerging youth movements in various styles of art underground culture all over as well but r&b as we know it sounds much different today than it did in its infancy but this shift of the focus on the podcast is going to be about more so the last 30 years the change in sound both sonically and lyrically from the late 80s and 90s with artists like Babyface, Teddy Riley, Boyz II Men, Mariah Carey, Tony Braxton, and Usher, to artists that we hear today like The Weeknd, Miguel, Frank Ocean, SZA, Ari Lennox, Brent Fayaz, and so on. Somewhere in the, in the 2000s, lyrics went from more about simping to toxic trick patterns, from I love you to I hate you, and we're here to discuss when and why. So just as I finish up here giving you a little background, I wanted to kick it over to E-Man on why you thought it would be uh, a good topic for uh, right now. 
I just feel like the way things are right now in the world is we live in a fuck him, fuck her, like, society, I guess, in a mm -hmm. way, where I feel like toxic R&B is becoming a standard. Like, you, I mean, this is gave the birth to, like, certain topics, certain actually—this there, is a whole— Twitter th thread. This uh -huh. is a whole like Reddit thread. This is like th there's like different things that go on that I see personally to where I feel like it's just becoming standardized and naturalized. How am I trying to say this? Because I'm trying to say this in a way where. Hmm. Well, to give a good example for E Man, right now, Hold currently, on. the most popular song in the country is a song called Kill Bill by SZA. Where the lyrics are, if I might kill my ex, might not be best idea. His new girlfriend's next. How'd I get here? There's something you said in your speech I was thinking about too. I'm like, because you said in the 90, like late 90s, early 2000s, that's when it was going on. Like, what, who do you think, what do you, who do you think is the first, what was the first toxic record you heard that you realized is toxic, so, I guess, in a way? So in doing homework, it, it's actually prior to what I thought. So I was thinking it would be more in the era of, um, you know, the weekend. The weekend was the first artist that came to mind when I thought about someone that was doing it. He's definitely one but of the biggest Usher has, artists in the world. Has yes, come out and made a statement saying he's the one that that ushered in, and no, no pun intended, uh, toxic R and B with confessions. He said that his album was the start of Toxic R&B. There's an argument for that. I mean, it's definitely probably one of the most popular Toxic albums ever uh -huh. made. It's probably one of the most popular albums made in general, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I There's a fight for that. But then I'm looking at, there is different ones. Like, we were looking at, if like, that uh, Michelle, I cannot pronounce his last name to save my life, man. <laughs> I'm going to say Del, Del Giocello. There you go. I like it. <laughs> that Michelle, sounded legit. <laughs> Michelle Nijedzio. If that's your boyfriend, then he wasn't last night. And that came out in 1993. You got Amy Winehouse in 2006. You know I'm no good. Yeah. You got Escape. You're my little Man, I secret. forgot Amy Winehouse definitely had a lot of on hers for sure on the Back to Black album big time. I mean, I feel like it's just one of those things where there is a place for this. I'm not saying that all toxic R&B is bad and shouldn't be listened to like that because, I mean, I definitely listen to it. Like, I love that SZA song. <laughs> it's a very popular song. My whole, it's not even an issue, but like my whole take on it is that I feel like we're, it's affecting a generation of people who, it's, it's affecting actual real relationships, I guess, in a way. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like that train wreck that you want to you, you wanna look away from but can't because it's just so, like, interesting, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Well, no, I, I guess you could be – I don't – I think so. It depends on the listener. Definitely for a youth uh, – when, when youth hear this in the lyrics, it definitely influences how you are because I was definitely influenced in my early 20s by the music I was listening to the stuff they were talking about, the things they were doing. So I, I, I think E-Man does have a point there for sure. Um, and I think, yeah, like you said, we like watching a car crash in this country. We like watching shit that's more fucked up than positive. And, you know, it's always kind of I mean, that and that's what sells. And that's the thing about that. And it's always been like that, even if you think about it from like, think about it like the news, right? Mm -hmm. They held this thing where... Good news is no news. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's the mentality yeah. of, like, most reporting rooms. Mm -hmm. Like, if something is good and positive and things like that, I mean, it might, you know, they call it a fluff piece. Mm -hmm. It might be something, like, more like, you know, they'll, they'll, they might report on it, but all the shit that's negative and toxic and all that, that's always going to get bumped up. Why not translate that over to music? Because it sells records. I mean... Confessions is probably one of the biggest selling albums of all time. Yeah. Right. It's, I think I I know it went diamond. Mm -hmm. Like that's probably it is up there. And to Usher's point, he absolutely has a point where I feel like that was around the time the change started. It started being more common. I mean, there's one offs and stuff like that here and there. But then even in and there's always been fuck you songs. Even to back to the Stevie Wonder Smokey days, there's always been breakup yeah. records and you're cheating on me records and. And this and that. So there's, it's always been there. Yeah, to your point, but it's those so were more mean. album cuts. You know what I mean? Those point. weren't 
usually on the radio as much um, in the in the more doo-wop and early R&B days. But I thought so. See, in, go ahead. Go no, ahead. Man, to your point, and that's soul music. That's some real shit. That's hap- yep. I mean, that's some real shit that's happened. That's storytelling. That's an art form in itself to actually be able to project that. I'm saying that when it when when is it too much? Yeah, that, that's my whole thing. When is it too much? When is it like actually starting to affect people in their everyday life? I don't think it'll ever. I mean, I don't think oh, it's. Oh no, bro! I don't think there's ever going to be a time there's, where it's. There's a whole thing with like feet. Well, I guess Future's a rapper, but there's yeah. like a whole thing where like people talk about like I mean the king of like toxicity and shit like that. Where there's like a whole. There's a whole group of people that, like, just say, like, fuck this. I mean, we call, like, the city boys, city girls. Not city girls, the group, but, like, that's what they're called, like, right? Yeah. Yes. What do you mean? We call what? Like, when they say, when, like, they when something happens, like, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to just give, like, a random scenario. This is nobody in particular. This is just me spitballing on top of my head. Say, for instance... You a a man was to he had like a steady relationship or something like that, but then somebody else comes into the picture and they hook up and then you kinda get out of it and then you get out of it in a way where it's like not get out of it, but you got out of a way where it's like kinda like manipulative and things like that. But then you kinda spin it. I'm not trying to say. My yeah, I'm bad, confused. What I'm, you're I'm bad. To say. My bad. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm swear I got him. I'm bringing this home, guys. I'm trying to. I'm like trying to figure out what I want to say here. It's like when he gets twisted and manipulative and things like that, and you kind of blame it on the music because I feel like people like get influenced by certain things. I guess in a way. I don't know. I don't, I think that's a stretch to say that you could blame your misgivings in a relationship on the music you're listening to. I think that's a stretch, but it's definitely more uh, prevalent in the music that we hear now. And I think there's reasons why. And I, and in doing homework for this, um, I want to give credit where credit's due. This um, masterclass.com had a pretty interesting um, take on it, and they said that. Basically, they think that the more toxic trait patterns in R&B music came with the incorporation into hip hop being pushed into the sound of the music sonically. So you started adding more hip hop beats in it. And what and if we're being honest with ourselves, hip hop has been toxic as fuck since the jump. Super super misogynistic, super toxic. There's always been toxic lyrics in hip hop. And so um, I thought it was a pretty interesting thing what they wrote down here. So they had like an R&B in the 60s was derivative around crooners like Etta James and Sam Cooke brought smoother kind of uh, more like pop centric um, things to the music. But in the 70s, the music kind of shifted and started to become more uh, um, psychedelic rock was kind of introduced into the R&B sound and you had more syncopated rhythms and Afrocentric lyrics um, and then the eighties was more smooth R and B and, um, the R and B vocalists like Tony Braxton, Mariah Carey, Janet Jackson, Ooh. and all of that, um, soulful singing with, uh, catchy melodies. And then present day R and B, the scene has changed from the fifties and sixties because there's more hip hop, um, incorporated into the sound of the production of, of what they're doing there. And so they have uh, down here, which I think is pretty cool because I didn't even know about this. There's they have three different characteristics of um, classic R&B. You have strongly overlapping with rock, guitar based instrumentation, and then inspired from blues and church music. And then there's also three characteristics of contemporary R&B, which would be keyboard based instrumentation, incorporation of hip hop and then smooth uh, minimalistic vocals. Um, and so I think that's interesting because that, that definitely does play into the toxic patterns and, and, and most notably because Drake, um, his first album was kind of a, a mix between hip hop and melodic singing and his lyrics have always touched on more toxic relationship traits. Is that because, 
it's more popular with the times is what yeah. i'm saying yeah totally and that's what i'm saying like when okay so this is how i'm bringing my earlier point back home and i i'm apologize for the wording i'm trying to get my verbiage together and shit like that so with the times being what they are now and we have access to more shit and things like that like say like memes and say like you know like we're in this culture to where you know people are sent you know people are open to more like different ideas different ideology different like standards and stuff like that and the music is getting more push pop like this type of music is getting more push more things like that i feel like people are almost like living the music these days in a certain way i i yeah i feel like there i mean there's a group of people out there. there's definitely like people out there that do that i'm just saying my whole point is when is it like getting to the point to where it's not about the music anymore and it's actually like affecting the person. I mean, when it's, it's, it, al- when it does it, the it's already there in a way. And I think that all caters to how the music is delivered to us, because now we live in a time where um, you don't need the. Ra- so it, it's not the radio pushing the narratives anymore. It's not the labels. pushing. The, it's not the labels putting shit in the narratives. It's us. It's what we want to consume, yeah. because anyone can upload their music. So if someone wants to make a song saying, I hate black people for 20 minutes and upload it to the internet they could and if a certain group of people like it they can fucking adhere to it and and keep that and get that shit popular so you don't need the radio to push whatever kind of song you want to write it just really whatever pops off and which catches wind from the people and obviously we like these songs because they wouldn't be popular if they weren't right so I think that's kind of what it is. And and then to prove or to go back to your point a little bit, there's always been um, the, the saying exists for a reason. Art imitates life. Life imitates art. So there's always going to be that element to it as well. But I don't think that it would. I don't know. Um, like when it like when is when does it get too toxic is my point. I think it gets too toxic when the toxicity trumps the art. So. And for an ex- to give you an example of what I mean right, by when that, when people are so, living their music, when things like well, what I mean by that um, is so you have for an example, you'd have that Christian rock and Blueface. We first got put on to Blueface for music, right? Obviously, we. I mean, I never really got into his music, but that's what we knew him from, right? It was, it was music. Yeah, it was but now everybody on the internet knows about him and his girlfriend way more so for their antics beating on each other all the domestic abuse their toxic relationship everyone knows that way more than we know any of their music can you name a blue face song i certainly can that's, that's <laughs> the, that's literally the only one i've ever known and to be honest with you i don't even see anything with their relationship because i i don't follow blue face at all i don't follow either Not, of them the, way the, twi- that... the twitter algorithms be algorithm and <laughs> what are you following the shade room like what are you doing? i don't follow any of that <laughs> shit it just gets put up on uh, all the fucking social media sh- shit and you see it so um back to what e-man was saying about you know it becoming this thing where we are living out the lyrics of music I think that all definitely could be dangerous in the time that we see too much of the artists lives with social media. Like now it's more than just the music. You're seeing all of their lives and their personal lives being lived out on the screen. I think it's what you make it. It's like how I think it's like how all this is that like it's social medias and things like that. If you think about like a Facebook or Twitter or an Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, your algorithms are tailored towards you and what is fed that what the algorithms think that you're going to like so you consume whatever you put out in a way mm-hmm. so if you consume toxicity you're gonna live toxicity. oh for sure oh, that's, that, what, that's, that's for sure are. for sure that's what i'm saying so that's what i'm saying like it's kind of subjective in a way that makes where, more sense yeah, they're, they're, I'm, i've been trying to figure out how to kind of mm-hmm. word this for like five minutes yeah, that's but for yeah. sure. That's definitely what the energy you're taking in is the energy that you're going to put out. There's no way around that. I mean, because there's obviously there's people that know how to carpet. This shit is carp- going. I mean, it's not going. Sorry to cut you no, off. No, you're good. No, my bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, but yeah, it's always going to sell. It's always going to be around. And there's always going to be consumers like myself. I'm still going to listen to mm-hmm. it. I mean, I'm not. But at the same time, you got to look at it a certain way. It's just like the people that listen to it because we live in a generation to where and I'm talking about kids mm-hmm. i'm totally. not talking about 
us as adults. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about like teenagers. Well, teenagers too, I guess. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about kids that actually listen to it and kind of take, you know, the artist word as bond. For sure. Definitely. That, and that's why this whole, and it's kind of why me personally, I mean, for most reasons, I'm kind of scared of being kids in this world. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hear you. Definitely. Because of like, it's just like what we're kind of going into is like these t- this type of stuff is being standard. And I don't want to sound like an old hater because I, I listen to this shit. But at the same time, I'm not going out doing any of this. Like, right. Well, I mean, as an adult and as you grow older, and what he said is true, when you're a kid, you're a lot more impressionable. But yeah. as you get older, you got to learn to be able to compartmentalize these things and separate the art from real life. I mean, that's all of our jobs. That's like, and, that, and that's one thing that's bothered me about for the longest time. I hate when people say, you know, rap lyrics are the cause of school shootings no. or, you know, it's shit like that. Or like, video games. Or either. video it's games, like exactly. No. Yeah. So, like, you gotta you got to be able to separate you know the art the art and the this this craziness but like there's artists that um i think kendrick did a great job on it on his new album with that we cry together that is the most toxic song i've heard in a long time but toxic on purpose because he was you know proving a point not that that's actually how he wants to be but that's how um some of these relationships are out there that we're seeing lived out on um on social media and in the web and and you know what? Um, I think it it's also the popular musician's job to give you balance because I think Drake, someone like Drake, for example, that is as big as they come, already has the established fan base. So if Drake wanted to make an album about he how he fell in love and the whole album is about being in love, he would fucking still sell albums. You know, everyone is all of his fan base is still going to go fucking get it. So like, (laughs) it's definitely the artist's responsibility to show a different narrative as well. So if that's all you're putting out is these toxic songs, that's what, that's a a problem. Put in a box. I mean, think like, actually we'll talk about a Drake affiliate. Let's talk about party next door. For instance, party next door, Bryson Tiller, well, Bryson Tiller, Brent Fiez, Mm -hmm. things like that. Like I was thinking about that. Uh, Remember, what was that Party Next Door song? It was a Savage Anthem that came oh out. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that song's crazy. Yeah, that song is fucking <laughs> Anyway, but I'm like, I'm just using that as an example and things like that. Like, people, like, there's people that are, kids that are young and impressionable and things like that, and will actually fucking listen to this and take that shit as Bond. Yeah. And is who, is that on the artist? And I think to your point, it's... Is it the artist's job to show like different sides? Should they be, you know, if, I this think is, so. if this is their bag, like if this is their bread and butter, why the fuck should they do anything else? Yeah, that's, no, pro- that's another thing, though. I think they're like, definitely. If I'm the artist and I make music, but if all my music and my core fan base wants to hear me talk about just doing bitches dirty, why the fuck would I want to make anything else? No, I hear you. There, there's that, but there's also. <laughs> It depends on how, how you view your artistry as well. Like there's a quote by Nina Simone and I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the exact quote, but she talks about how it's an artist's responsibility to tell the truth of what's happening in the world. Um, and I, I, that's the type of art that I like to consume. I mean, there's definitely time and place for everything. There's definitely time and place for everything, but in, in large, I like to consume shit that has a little bit deeper meaning. And even the songs where they are being toxic, you can tell there's a, story being told and there's a purpose behind why they're even saying it right. if their whole purpose is just to go on record and call a woman a, a fucking bitch for no reason and there's and you and you listen to their music and it all kind of fits that same narrative that's when i think people start believing it they're like okay well this guy this is who he is it's what he all he talks about you know what i mean so this is who this guy's gonna be and and those toxic people can go find that person and and consume that art so if that's what they want to do and I mean, I guess it goes into the point is, is at the end of the day, is it about artists selling the records? And I guess that's totally totally on, that's actually depending on the artist. And that's, you know, that's a whole different conversation we can have there. Oh, definitely. Uh, there's there's definitely yeah. that element to it as well. But I think um, th- this just popped in my head. So there was an interview and I had just texted him about this last or some at some point last week. But um, Anderson Pack on his last album has a song with Smokey Robinson. And I watched an interview where he was writing, uh, talking about the writing process of writing with Smokey Robinson. And he was like, he's like, you know, I learned a lot of valuable things from Smokey. He's like, I learned how to write a better crafted song because the su- he's like, the sound of the song that we wrote together is this sweet love song 
about trying to make a, a an older relationship work and keep it fresh. And I, when I originally wrote it, I had all these curse words in there. I was saying bitch. I was saying fuck. I was saying all these things in the song. And Smokey came along and was like, man, you got to make this sweeter. You got to take the curse words out, replace it with something else and make this a, a song that a girl would actually want to hear what you're trying to say. Because if you're just being dismissive right off rip, they're not even going to want to hear it in the first place. So he was like, I learned how to craft a song better and you don't need to always curse just for the sake of cursing. He's like, you got to use it to be more impactful and shit like that. He was like, so he's like, Smokey's still got tons of game in his 80s. I was like, that's crazy. That's a really good point. So I thought that was a pretty cool piece of knowledge as well from Anderson. So Another And Anderson's thing. definitely doing a, there's there's definitely artists out there that are doing the the you, opposite, too. You think too. Smokey Robinson was doing toxic shit in, like, the 60s, 70s? Doing toxic shit? Fuck yes. Was, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's what, that's, that's, that's what I feel like it's a different time. Because I feel like, yeah. Young light-skinned green I feel, eyes? I feel like he could get that shit off now, but, like, then, like. No, there's no, a no, difference no, no, between wait, other way around, doing other way around. and let writing me, your me, music about let it. Me, you know? Let me go back to it. So I feel like just how social media is today, like, you know, you had, like, a lot. Like, the artist was a lot more. Uh, it was a lot more reserved. It was a lot more mystery, I guess, behind it than it is now. Because now you can just see into like whoever the fuck you want to lives and things like that. So like in seventies, eighties, like you know, you can fucking do as much drugs, be as much of a degenerate as much you wanted to. Then now it's a little bit more publicized. So, oh yeah, yeah, well I mean, your <laughs> lives are lived out on yeah. social media. But the funny part is, a lot of them motherfuckers were toxic as shit. They just weren't singing about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> David Ruffin was one there of the most to- toxic there motherfuckers on planet that's, Earth. That's, I just want to make sure. That's what, I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> but he so, wasn't like, writing that. He was writing I, my girl, my girl. That's why, I, like, when you brought up that point about Smokey and like Anderson Pie, I just want to throw it out there. I'm like, Smokey was definitely doing some toxic. Oh stuff. hell yeah, they were definitely <laughs> doing it. They just weren't writing it in the music. Absolutely, <laughs> as much at least. Yeah, nobody's um, nobody's perfect human being. As much. <laughs> yeah, yes, no. That, to his point, that's facts. Don't do absolutely point like just to have like that smoothness to it like that you know that that's a that's becoming a lost art in r&b to mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. it's like to have that like the actual like that sweet like kind of like that serenade that you know that just buttery smooth like, flow, like and you're that, and that's you're, gone that's that's gone you're kind of no, you're kind of getting that back in certain aspects because i mean look how fucking massive Bruno and Anderson were with the Silk Sonic album. I mean, that shit was enormous. Smoking out the window. And, yeah, I mean, they had, they had toxic <laughs> songs on there for sure, too. But, like, Leave the Door Open is, like, a sweet love song. That, is and that a song great was song. massively Agreed. famous. Agreed. And, like, and, and, and I think to, um, to back to what he said, to what E-Man said a, a minute ago about how some people do it because it's popular right now. That sound is popular and they want to catch a wave and make money. And that's fine, but I think that's also... A bit lazy because we know that it can be done other ways. We've seen it happen. Like, look at Pharrell had Happy. That song was the most bubbly, happy song ever. And it was massively successful. So so there's ways around it. So to, to think that you could only make it making whatever is popular at the time is just not true. You know what I mean? It's just lazy. You're just not writing quality music, in my opinion. <laughs> Is there anybody currently right now that's making exclusively like I won't like happy or like classic artists? Exclusively? I don't know Is about there exclusively. Anybody right now doing that. Um I mean they all have breakup records. There's definitely I said I definitely think you're seeing um that classic R&B style come back around in artists like her and artists like Snow Allegra. I'll throw Pink Sweats in that mix too. Pink Sweats in um, that wet, in that I matter. would actually put even Sir, somebody. Sir Inglewood Sir. Yeah. And he has Sir, and he can have sometimes some darker and break up lyrics, but the the sound of his music is more classic R&B style. So a lot of that's coming back. Miguel's got a new album coming. He's always giving you a nice little blend of both. He'll have the sweet songs. And it'll have the the toxic songs too. Bruno, Mar- Bruno, Bruno Mars counts as R and B for me, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruno, Bruno Mars, Mars is definitely R and B pop music. I mean, for he's sure. definitely had like that bag too. For oh yeah, for little. sure. And then he's got his toxic songs too. Absolutely. <laughs> I think to your point earlier, the best artists can do both. Yep. The best artists can absolutely do both. Summer Walker is another one I would throw. Summer in Walker too, for sure. About. She's toxic. She's as a, fuck. I mean, <laughs> Summer Walker's on all ends of the spectrum of that. <laughs> that can do both. But yes, very well. 
for sure. I don't know shit about Sabrina Claudio, by the Sabrina way. Sabrina Claudio is definitely more of a classic styling of R&B. She makes sweet uh, love songs. She was pretty, she really was canceled, pretty, though, right? She did get canceled. What, what, what did she do? Like, so she <laughs> um, she made some jokes about uh, like black women's features when she was 14 on Twitter. Ah, I got it. It was got like it. a Justin got Bieber it. type okay. thing. Yeah, I, I forgot what she did. It wasn't N-bombs, but she said something. I can't remember what it was. Okay. It was like. Making fun of the way a black girl looked or something like that. Okay. Uh, but it was when she was 14, man. <laughs> got, got you. I mean, people, you know, the Internet's going to hold you to that. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, just don't do that shit again. <laughs> like, flat out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, I mean, there's so there's so many different. I think that's the glorious part, Back to uh, to go back to the point we were making about today's music, is you don't need the radio to, to rely on you know, making it with your songs. I mean, like, look at a lineup like what Coachella has going on over the weekend right now. There's so many different styles of music from, you know, shit like Phoebe Bridgers to shit like The Weeknd and Metro Boomin. I mean, there's like such a wide range of what we even deem as popular music now because there's, what, 100,000 songs a day coming out right now, I think they said. I think I heard that stat the other day on the radio, Dude, which is crazy. songs count as toxic? It, it doesn't. I don't not necessarily. I don't think so. I don't, okay, I just want to throw it out there. It dep- yeah. It's all completely dependent, derivative around how you talk like about it. a positive, like, there's positive breakup songs out there. Taylor oh, totally. made a whole career out of it. So, yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> she can even be a little toxic and hide it as she's not because she's sweet and bubbly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we already know she's got a track record of being a little bit there, too. So, I mean, it's, it, it's all over the place. But I think that's a really good topic because, you know, there's uh, – I, you know, me and E-Man are both big, big R&B fans, and there's just such I mean, an awesome offering of it in so many different avenues now. I mean, there's... I mean, you got your lovey-dovey, like, you got your lovey-dovey R&B, you got a toxic R&B, you got, like, it's, I feel like this, like, to your point, man, it's starting to come back around. I'm mm-hmm. kind of happy about it. Like, I, that's kind of want to, like, I kind of want to bring this topic up because I want to bring, like... I want to get your take on it, and I kind of want to come at it from like an objective point to where people have bo- like the best artists can do both. Mm-hmm. The best artists can actually do both. I mean, there's absolutely a place for toxic R and B in yeah. music. I mean, obviously, well, clearly because it sells the most. Like you, like you said, the season one's mm-hmm. number one. But I feel like if that's like if that's solely your bag, does that you? To me, I don't think that you are a good artist. I'm just done it. Yeah. If that is solely your bag, I get why you do it. I just think that the best can do both sides of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree, and uh, I think that's like the nice part about where we're at right now is for me, like I know that that stuff's out there, and I don't even mind it being out there because I've done a great job of figuring out what stuff is for me and what stuff's not. Like, and that even goes into my taste in hip hop. There's a lot, a lot of toxic hip hop, and that's usually not the shit that toxic I'm listening to the most. Be a series. Oh my god, <laughs> there's, there's I so, don't even there's so to... much of it, but I don't gravitate towards so, artists like that. I gravitate towards artists that show a little deeper meaning in her, and and they're, especially now, if you're only singing about toxic relationships in the current social political climate that we're in, and that's the only thing that's on your mind, that goes deeper than the music, bro. You need to like, <laughs> there need to be deeper than that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. There's uh, I don't know. It's all about mindset, man. Has the weekend ever made a ha- like a happy love song? Oh, for sure he has. I feel like I feel like I don't know. I think his music always just has a dark production sound to it. So even when he is kind of, but there definitely was a couple on the last album that have that. Um, like out of time, definitely had like that Motown. Yeah, like sound for sure. It. There's, but, I mean, it was still kind of a dark element. There is album, too, and like. Yeah. Blinding lights, that's more upbeat and shit like that. No, I mean, like, actually, like, the message is like a romance. Yeah, thing. messages. We'd have to go through the weekend. I gotta music. go. Uh, yeah, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna, we'll open. I don't, the- I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. And that's a, that, that actually could be the only exception to that rule. To we can open but, the podcast yeah, next week um, with a, a I, sweet I, weekend song. Or maybe we'll write that. one and use Chat Beach, Chat GPT. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hold on. Actually, since we're saying that, I would just like to go on record and say, Please don't DM me any artificial intelligence music. I already hate it. I'm not supporting it. I think it's the fucking worst thing to ever happen to art and creative people as a whole. And it's going to just really fuck things up. I'm really uh, 
really scared about the future with AI. It's I really gonna, am. It's <laughs> going to be interesting how that gets used by labels, one. And it's going to be interesting to see the cost of tours, like actually tickets and stuff like that. Because if the AI shit wrote the lyrics, I mean, that cuts the budget of, you know, like the writing staff. That probably cuts like a lot of studio time mm-hmm. out. I mean, you probably need like an engineer to like mix and master like little things here and there. Shit, do you even need an engineer anymore? Do you just need like a like somebody encoding to just like that's clear the, the algorithm? That, that, that's the part <laughs> like, I, I hate about it. For, <laughs> the one thing is this, and I know this for a fact because I'm a factory worker and we've already had, you know, we got machines and robots that run and make all of our shit as it is. But those things won't exist without um, without people behind them. So there's there's just like that. There's the same with music. And I think there's a human element to making art that just can't be recreated by AI. Um, so I, I as some of these will sound close. And if it's someone speaking like you could probably definitely doctor some like political footage to make someone sound like they said some crazy shit that they didn't say. I'm sure that'll happen eventually. But I think as far as making art, it Definitely will still miss the 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 human element, but um yeah I don't know it's it's a scary world that we we got coming in for some reason I don't know why we focus on trying to replace humans <laughs> you know what I mean like it seems like they spend a lot of time trying to get rid of our own people so we'll see what happens with all this in the because future. we're cheap because <laughs> yeah. we live that's in, true that's 100%. we live capitalist in society capitalist society <laughs> to where we want to make as much. They want to increase our profit margin as much as possible. So if we can cut out paying a live yeah, human, absolutely. Why, why the fuck not? <laughs> if I'm the label, dude, if I'm the label, and I got access to this thing that can actually write for it, and I just need like a fa- shit. They even tried to do the fucking AI like artists. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It's, scary. <laughs> it's fucking scary. It's it's a scary world. Like so, touring is gonna go up. Mm-hmm. Like. The actual cost, like the price of a concert ticket is already up, but it's going to go through the fucking roof once chat shit gets figured out. It's going to make the it's going to make the press play DJs fucking even lazier. (laughs) I'm not saying every I'm talking about the ones that are the lazy taking the, the, you know, the shitty. I also want to walk back something I just said, too. Um, I don't I don't think that like if you are you're a bad artist, if you can't do both. I just think the great the great artists can. You're a lazy artist. If you can't. I just think the great artists can do both. I don't think you're bad because if you're at if you're in your bag, then, you know, if that's your lane, that's where you make your bread and butter at. You know, good for you. That's awesome. And it's just flat out not true either, because your life is complexed and nuanced and so if all your music we know you're not miserable all the time and if you are go get some fucking help stop making music and go get some fucking therapy <laughs> that's some people I'm, that's the people i'm worried about that's putting out like 20 albums in a year or some shit for like, real <laughs> dude for real but um anyways um before we get out of here i wanted to damn all um, right that time well i i, I did right. not not quite that time yet but I, right. I i it's pretty much all i had to say on the toxic trait but i did want to kick it back over to e-man because last night they had the um the album release party for friends of ours dirty news and i kind of wanted to get e-man's uh and he also performed at it so i kind of wanted to get e-man's little rundown of the show and uh have him describe what it was about yeah, uh, so I want to say quick shout-out to my homies, Dirty News. Uh, thank you guys for inviting me on. It was a great time. I hosted and opened the show. Uh, shout-out to the 3148s and Violet Soul were also on the bill. So it was, you know, started off like a typical local show, you know, like an hour late. Um, so that was, that was one thing. <laughs> Always. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, they had like some shit going on next door. So they under, yeah. But anyway, um, it was honestly a dope time, man. Like it was a really good turnout. Like it was, it was beautiful seeing everybody there. Like with the, you know, the time, the time uh, issue excluded. Uh, yeah, man, I got to perform a couple songs from, uh, from Before the Chaos I haven't touched yet, so that was kind of cool. I actually created, like, a character just for the show, so, uh, Dirty News' new album is called Business Casual Deathmatch. I created this character called Gene from, uh, Accounting. (laughs) 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 It was covered in blood and things like that. He actually won the, uh, the Business Casual Deathmatch and got to host the show. That's funny, dude. You love a theme. of course, man. I'm like, I'm an artist. What can I say? Hell yeah, yeah man. Like, I love it. Like, 
so that was kind of cool just playing around with that like creating like fake blood and things like that thing prep for the show but the actual show itself was cool shout out to the three one four eights they did this cover of uh sky doesn't know and i was like i haven't heard that song in so long so that was kind of great hearing that but they're even their original music uh i think they have a song called guillotine that's actually pretty fire out too hell yeah and then violet soul i mean i know ryan green for a while uh yeah, him. Uh, Violet Angelina. Soul's kind of like some R and B type stuff. Yeah, right? they're Ipsy Ann Arbor based. They got like this whole kind of like neo soul, like R and B, like fusion thing they got going on. I it's, like re- that. it's really tight. Uh, yeah, shout out to those guys. They absolutely killed it. Unfortunately, by the time they went on, it was like twelve thirty, one o'clock because of the pushback. So Ooh. that kind of sucked. But that was the exact reason I knew I was. I was after I couldn't figure out a ride situation. I was like, man, I'm right. just gonna get some sleep after working all day. I know they're gonna start to late as fuck. I'm going to go to bed and protect my health. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dirty News absolutely smoked that show, in my opinion, man. Uh, the album is great. I heard a lot of it before because I know they've been performing it for a while, so it's cool to just hear it to where, you know, I have it in my phone now. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's great, man. Hell yeah, man. Um, Sorry, I play a little bit before we get out of it, too. Yeah, and since this was an R&B uh, podcast in large part, we want to shout out our friends. Anna, we want to shout out Danny Darling. We want to shout out Danae, all of our friends that make beautiful, soulful music that uh, have, you know, R&B qualities into it. Nappy Devi. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them out there. So we're in good hands, man. Music's in good hands. If you want to find some good toxic shit, go right ahead. But if you want to find some love shit, there's also that. There's a place for both, man. There's always I, a place for both. There's, there's, we're going to call that this episode Place for Both. Yep. Uh, yep, absolutely. Like um, what song should I play off this Dirty News album? Because I feel like we could definitely rock out one of their songs on this podcast. I think my favorite Dirty News song is probably Too Bad Joe. Yeah. Too Bad Joe? All right. I mean, we could, you could play whatever you want. I just want to throw it out there. That's probably my favorite one, personally. Well, hell yeah. Then to lead us out, we are going to have this uh, Too Bad Joe by The Dirty News. Wait, you... hold on. We're closing already? Yeah. I got, I got one more I want to talk about. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Man. Yeah. Uh, shout out to... I don't know him personally by any means, but shout out to Valid and Stretch Money, man. This Bill and Isaiah project is absolutely phenomenal. So they had this whole kind con- like this whole like eighties theme for the album where uh Valid plays Bill Lambeer and Stretch Money plays Isaiah Thomas. Hell yeah. And it's just like the bad boys pistons, like the kinda like the trade off on it. The production sounds super eighties and actually takes like actually takes uh kinda like a roller coaster kind of theme man because there's like songs for everybody on here like you got your like party anthems you got you know your more introspective tracks like drink with me you got like the more like kind of like dance heavy songs on here too man i mean they got like it's it's a really solid well done project i i just want to throw it out there uh yeah it did not go unnoticed in my eyes so shout out to uh stretch money and ballot for the great project yeah hell yeah and we'll we'll get back on sometime here soon and we'll do a, a whole you know uh breaking down what kind of music we've been listening to lately um and do that as a separate thing we just wanted to get this one as like a nice little topical one for you guys as we were talking about earlier this year, you know, doing more of these for you so we can, you know, teach teach the youth a little bit. Just Absolutely. like we were talking about. You got to teach the youth, baby. Yeah, man. And on that note, yeah, we can close it out. <laughs> All right. Here's a little bit of Too Bad Joe out of the Dirty News. Rhythm and blues right there for you.
making a living. You're busy turning bears into bulls. Only for some clown to come around and sit around. Kick your rock rack down the hill. things all the rats climb to the top my head is spinning double visions where one man's gain is one man 